Welcome to the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast, bringing you bi-weekly discussions designed to help you grow your business and create the lifestyle you desire. Elevate your business with proven strategies from virtual CFOs, CPAs, and business advisors. We discuss real-world challenges solved with actionable steps that get you the results you need, both in business and building the life you deserve. Thank you for joining us for episode number 128 of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast brought to you by PJS and co-CPAs. I'm your host, Megan Spicer, and today we are doing a two-part series. We're starting a two-part series about revenue forecasting. So in order to explain that to you all, we have partner, CPA, and VCFO, Katina Peters. Welcome. Thanks, Megan. As always, glad to be here. Yeah, and we're breaking down a topic that we've gotten questions about and something that can be difficult for business owners to try to navigate, especially with a lot of growth happening and a lot of other things that you're juggling. And that is revenue forecasting. And it's a complex topic, or it can be, which is why we've broken it down into a two-part series. So this episode is focused on the key elements of revenue forecasting. And then number 129, which will be our next episode, will be more focused on the practical application of, okay, how are we actually putting that together? Right. Yeah. We figured we'd we'd back up to, I guess, like what you call like the theory, right, of revenue forecasting first. So we know overarchingly, what are we trying to do and what considerations do we need to be thinking about those kinds of things. But then when you go from the theory to the, okay, I get the theory. Now, how do I go about the actual doing of the thing, right? <laughs> so yeah. having that kind of broken up, we thought might be the the better way to approach all of this and kind of, you know, just give more context to it as well. Yeah, perfect. So we'll, we'll call this Revenue Forecasting 101. <laughs> and then and the next series is 102. <laughs> or our lab. <laughs> Yeah, yes. More of our lab. Yes, exactly. For sure. Definitely. So we're going to start off here with kind of some of the key elements of revenue forecasting and how we're going to go through each of the key elements and try to just kind of group them in that way, more of an outline style. So we can kind of group our thoughts together a little bit with regards to that. So I know if we talked about forecasting and budgeting in the past and one of the Really, the key elements to doing that is your historical data. So historical data is definitely one of the best metrics to use when you're looking at trying to forecast into the future, forecast anything or budget anything into the future, but definitely the revenue side. Now, if you're, you know, if you're a new business, like we've talked about before, there's other ways to get an idea of what your business might look like from a modeling perspective. But if you've already been in business and you're trying to get a little bit better about your strategic planning and forecasting, your historical data definitely can be a huge step in the right direction for knowing how to predict the future, how to make our 
our fuzzy, foggy crystal ball a little clearer. (laughs) It's never going to be perfect, but a little clearer, hopefully. All right. So we're looking at, you know, what are our trends from our historical information? Do we have seasonality? Do we have patterns that can guide us into the future with regards to that? Some businesses uh, slow down in the summer um, when people are on vacations and they're not maybe thinking about different things that they need to get done, but they're going to pick back up when life calms down personally. So looking at some of those patterns and information so that you can predict. And we typically look at it from a month over month perspective. We we definitely like to look at it for a year, but we're looking like what are our patterns month over month so we know what to expect because all this ultimately is going to fold into like our forecast for the business overall, not just revenue, as well as cash flow. So we do want to kind of be a little more granular. Generally, we don't need to be like necessarily weekly granular, totally, except for maybe on the cash flow, but that's a little bit different analysis. So I would say don't lose yourself too much in the details, but look at it from that perspective there. It can be easy to get lost in the weeds when you start getting into that stuff. You just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you kind of have to pull your head back and see, well, okay, do I need to get that specific on on all of this stuff? So that's helpful to know that it doesn't have to be quite so specific. And I'm sure we'll get more into that in the the next episode as well when we start talking about like the practical application of things. Right. Yeah. You're looking at, per, you know, percentage of overall revenue per month. Sometimes there's different, you know, different things you can look at. So yeah, we'll get into that more. Okay. All right. So our second topic, I guess our sub- second part of this outline is market analysis. So we need to be aware of what's going on in the market around us, where our business is, uh, could be nationally, could be locally, those kinds of things. We need to watch what's going on in that landscape because we can't just be like in a silo on our own projecting and forecasting revenues and ignoring what's going on in the economy, where the trends are heading, those kinds of things. So we do need to make sure that we're up on that information. We need to look at different sources if, if maybe we aren't as up. I mean, I think people generally, you know, know maybe more nationally what's going on, you know, news is out there, but then make sure you kind of have a pulse on the locally and other things that might be coming down the pipeline there with, uh, with your potential customers or just generally with the market so that you're being realistic about what your revenue forecast looks like. So it's last year and you're going to, you know, try to grow it by X percent maybe, but also looking at the reality factors of the economics. Maybe it's booming and it's great and there shouldn't be any problems hitting those targets that we're looking at. Or maybe it's tight and it's like, oh, we need to, you know, look at it. Maybe we, sometimes we also do like a best case scenario forecast versus the plan B, you know, okay, maybe a little more conservative one that, you know, maybe Mm. we'll use that more for budgeting and cash flow just to be on the safe side, but Mm -hmm. then have like a goals. This is our goal where we want to be, you know, but we're not going to budget on that number because we know it's going to be maybe a little harder to get there with the economic circumstances that we're in, et cetera. So there's some options there as well. Got it. That's nice to have a a more conservative option too, when you're, when you're budgeting, because it's, Obviously, part of business ownership is taking chances and there's a certain level of risk, but going about that in a smart way. So having that conservative option to, to do the budget off of is nice. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. Definitely gives you a little bit of just wiggle room there when you need it. (laughs) So, okay. Then we want to be looking also next at the sales pipeline that you have for your business. So looking at the different stages of the sales pipeline and going through, you know, how strong is your sales pipeline right now? Does it need to be built up? Do we have a, a good runway on what we have in our pipeline there? And I know, Megan, you can probably speak to this a little bit as well. So I'm going to let you you do a little bit of that with the marketing side and the pipeline side. That's kind of more in your wheelhouse specifically, but definitely just overarching. Every business needs to be aware of their pipeline. Yeah. And I, we have some topics that we've focused more solely on sales in in the podcast. So if you are interested, you can go back and look at those. But we recommend kind of reverse engineering from your goals, right? So we know that we want to hit this revenue goal. So how many clients do we need at this level? And then we can look at our conversion rates and kind of back that up into it. So we know, you know, our conversion rate is typically 30%, 40%, whatever that is for sales. So then how many leads do we need? So that's a healthy way of looking at and planning ahead for the year or the next month. And are we getting that number of leads? What do we need to do to increase the number of leads? What do we need to do to increase the the team size that we have to take on the work that we need to hit that revenue level? So there's a lot of different things that go into the sales pipeline, but just overall that's high level how you, you kind of reverse engineer it back from the goal to what what we need to hit to get there, right? I, right. In an ideal yeah. world. And if it, everything works out as planned. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it does, it kind of helps too to look at it from that perspective, like you're saying, because you're kind of, it's kind of like a, a gut check, a double check on where you're project, projecting your revenues. If you're like, okay, we're at this and we're trying to get to that and it's going to take this number of sales and that breaks down into this many customers and that breaks down into this many leads, you might go, wow, that's really attainable. Or you might go, "Uh, eh, that might be a little too hard. Maybe we're being a little unrealistic as to what we can actually attain because when it breaks down into the to-dos, so to speak, (laughs) what you have to achieve, Mm -hmm. you know, it definitely gives you that dose of a little more reality to it, which, like I said, could be perfectly acceptable or it could be a little too, you figure, oh, that's a little too much of a reach. I don't think that's very likely. So it definitely feeds back into the strategic planning process, like you said, as well, which is super helpful too. All right. And then a really big one, uh, it's kind of in the middle of our list. I mean, they're all important, but a really big one is understanding your revenue drivers. So as a business, you need to make sure that you are understanding the drivers behind your revenues and what your model is. So are your drivers, the number of hours that you're putting in, are the drivers, um, if you're dental practice, the number of chairs you have in the office and how much time you know, you're know you able to commit to your patients? Are your drivers you know, how many man hours you can get on a contract for construction. So there's different drivers that you want to be putting into place and working on as you're, again, kind of similar to the pipeline. It's like a reverse engineering, right, of how you get to that place. So if you're going to be at that revenue figure, how are you getting to that revenue figure? What are the drivers behind that? And that can be super powerful information for you, not only to do your revenue forecast, but to to ultimately build your strategic plan about around how you're going to get there too. So I think that's just a super important one. And I think it gets 
kind of brushed under the rug sometimes when we're doing, okay, we're just budgeting for next year and we're just going to increase 10%. And so we just up our revenue to that 10%. And then we just, everything falls in line with the budget, but we don't pay attention maybe to the underlying factors of how we're getting there when we're building our forecast. So we want to work towards those drivers being behind things so that we are, you know, we're kind of folding those like arm in arm together. Like it's not, you know, one is over here and the other's over there and they're just like maybe not talking to each other. It's like we want it all to cohesively come together. And so we can set up the model to tweak that as we go throughout the year. Okay, we're not able to hire the people. Okay, this is going to be a little different. So how does this next couple of months look? And we're tweaking that driver itself rather than trying to figure out the above number, what the revenue itself is. It's we're taking the driver, adjusting it, tying it to metrics that pushes the revenue forecast for us. Right. All right. So we got a few more here. Customer behavior. (laughs) That's certainly a fun one. People are interesting and um, customer behaviors can be somewhat all over the place, but we want to make sure that we're just keeping our pulse on our customer base. Right, Megan? As the marketing person, that's (laughs) important. This is one of my favorite topics because it's it's the biggest puzzle piece because you're trying to figure out humans and how their brains work, right? Like this is the psychology of why your customers are choosing you, how long they're choosing to stay with you. And obviously there's some mathematics that you can run and figure out, you know, what's your lifetime value of your customers and what's your acquisition rate and, you know, how how often are you losing customers so that you can you have some hard data to use in addition to the psychology behind it, but there is some less hard data that you have to consider in this section as well. And it can give you a benefit when you are understanding why they have certain behavior and why they're choosing to stick around. You know, what is it about your company that is helping them stick around? Because if it's your great customer service, if it's your surveys that you send out all the time and make sure that they're, you know, you're checking in with them, you don't want to take that away as a part of your overall plan for the business, right? You need to make sure that you're building that into your your other strategic avenues and your budget and all of those things. So if that is a big part of why your customers are sticking around and a big part of why you're getting that revenue, you want to pay attention to that. So it, it is, it's an important consideration when you're looking at revenue and forecasting and how you're going to obtain new clients. And, you know, maybe it's a certain sales technique that is working or a certain salesperson that needs to start training other people. There's a lot of different considerations when it comes to that portion. And I enjoy it. Like I said, it's just a big puzzle. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely a big puzzle and, and uh, definitely one that is in every business, like every business is, mm-hmm. you know, has to work through this, you know, situation and dealing with the, their customer base for sure. And when it comes to, you know, more specifically, and, and it all folds in, like you said, but in looking at it from the numbers perspective, right, that's, that's where I'm coming from a little bit more. So it's, it's all folds together. Like, are you, how many of those customers are repeat customers, like you said, and that's repeat business that you're, of course, going to fold into your revenue forecast. And then how much is it that we need to acquire more? How many customers are we going to have attrition on to know, you know, going into those uh, drivers of the revenue model and pushing for new customers if we need that growth or et cetera. I mean, that all kind of interplays into the numbers that we're dealing with on the revenue forecast side of things. So for sure. Yep. 
All right. So then pricing strategy. So this is another one of our drivers. We separated it out because it's, it's, you know, kind of its own beast, its own animal a little bit, but it does fold into our revenue drivers as well. But as we talked about, if it's hours, if it's, you know, man hours, if it's chair hours, if it's, you know, whatever it is that drives your business, your legal team, etc. Then you also have to look at how are you pricing that? You know, are you pricing on hourly rates? Maybe are you or average? This is what we charge per hour, even if it's maybe priced on the, the thing that you're actually doing. We, you know, if we look at dental practice, maybe they're doing a cleaning and they're doing this and they're doing that. So it's not necessarily like an hourly rate per se, but it's how much of that can we fit into maybe an hour or, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure out what is that price point. And it doesn't always have to be per hour. It could be per rate. Like we're get, we think we're going to do X number of cleanings every month or, you know, whatever the case may be. But you need to look at your pricing strategy and how you're going to approach that. Is it going to be hourly subscription projects each each item that you're doing of service, you know, maybe it's an item charge as opposed to an hourly rate. So you need to be looking at that in your drivers too. And is that price right? Obviously, we want to get the most that we can for our pricing, but then it's also looking at the economics. Is that is the market going to bear that? What are competitors charging? How are we differentiating from from them as far as that goes? But obviously, you're going to need to be using your pricing and your revenue forecast side. So you would fold that in to whatever that metric is. That is your driver. You fold it with your pricing to, of course, multiply out into your revenue forecast. So your pricing strategy for the forecast and what your expectations are of how you can best price needs to go into that revenue forecast model. Got it. All right. So another thing you want to keep in mind um, is any new product service launches that you're looking at doing. Are you adding something, another line that you didn't have before? Are you expanding into a different area and forecasting that out? I mean, it's going to have obviously similar uh, logistical buildup as far as, you know, you have drivers and you have pricing and all those things, of course. But you want to make sure if if you have different lines of service that you're selling, you know, those may have different structures for the model. Those, they may not be mm-hmm. all the same modeling structure. So you need to look at each service line potentially independently. You know, we structure this service line this way. This type of service is done that way. So, and then adding new ones to that, of course, will have that same methodology that you need to look at introducing those kinds of things and what that's, you know, going to take and how, and then ramp up. If it's a new line, that's a big thing on new lines or new businesses. What's the ramp up look like? How quickly are we going to be able to attract customers, either existing customers or new customers, depending on what it is, if it's a completely new customer base, or if it's we, you know, our existing customers will probably buy onto this, but how you're, you're not, you're definitely going to have a ramp up time on that. And how quickly do you think that's going to ramp up and be able to add to your revenue base? So that's another component to be considering and looking at, you know, you got to get the word out. You got to, you know, if you think you're going to build it on your current customer base, how are you going to do that? And how long is that going to take? Are you calling everybody? Are you just email blasting? Are you you social media? You know, and what kind of return do you think you're going to get? And how quickly is that going to come 
into play. So that's another thing to keep in mind to make sure that you're considering as you forecast into the future for your revenues. Yeah, it's not just going to happen on its own, right? There's going to be expenses that come along with advertising and marketing a new service or product. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's the flip side of it. It's not just, (laughs) just the revenue side. So Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, you know, how much you have to look at what can you invest, right? Time and mm-hmm. money and all that into it, too. So maybe we'd love a fast ramp up and we think we could absolutely do a fast ramp up, but it's going to take this much time and this much money. And maybe we don't have that in the budget or it's not available. You know, we don't have the people, whatever. So it's going to take other ramp up time to get the people to or or we're going to do a slower ramp up because we can only afford to do this much. So it's going to be a slower process to get to where we'd like to be. So yeah, for sure. You have to consider all those. I think that's a great point. Like, like you said earlier, it's kind of a gut check to say, you know, okay, yeah, this is great. We have these goals, but do we have the resources to also support what we're trying to attain. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah, what's the reality check on it? Right? <laughs> this mm-hmm. is a realistic yeah. thing that we're trying to accomplish. And again, it folds back down into then you get into your strategic plan for, you know, your personnel, for your budgeting, for your expenses, for your cash flow. I mean, it kind of just all comes back, you know, around mm-hmm. in these considerations for sure. All right. So, and then we've got some other external factors to consider. So we've talked about like the market external factors that you need to kind of make sure that you're just keeping your pulse on with regards to that. But then there's other things that could come into play as well. Regulatory changes, technological advancements. Don't get me started on AI. That's a big one. I think a lot of people are trying to understand how that's going to come into play. For example, if there's some sort of industry disruption that you're aware of that, you know, could come into play and you might need to maneuver around. You want to keep those things in in mind as well. As we said, that can affect market conditions that kind of interplay back and forth. So it can just come into play, obviously, for your forecasted revenue. I mean, the important thing is, like we said, we want to have goals, we want to reach, we want to grow, but we also want to be realistic to actually what's going on. There's no use in having a revenue forecast that looks great and has no basis in reality. <laughs> like it needs to right. it needs to be meaningful. And so keeping those external factors into account helps us do a much better job of planning into the future for, you know, how do we maneuver around potential disruptions, for example, or what have you. So we always want to keep those mm-hmm. in mind too. All right. So a few more left here. Seasonality and trends. Talked a little bit about that. So just keep that in mind as well. You know, we, like I said, mentioned it a little bit before, just bringing it back up here because we want to make sure that we're looking at it month over month. So not going to spend a lot of time there. We talked about it. Assumptions and sensitivity analysis. So these are a big deal, especially the assumptions. <laughs> so you go through all this work, right? You go through all this work, making this revenue forecast, got it all together. looks great. You look at it in a couple months and go, why did we do that? <laughs> what were we thinking? <laughs> like, I know we had a reason that we did it this way, but what was it? So you want to make sure as you're going through all this thinking process that, that we're just talking about a lot of this thinking process, right? As we're going through this thinking process, documenting down the assumptions, okay, we thought through this and this is what we thought and this is why we did X. <laughs> 
right? That's your assumption. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure that you go through the process of documenting the assumptions and the considerations that you made, because this, you know, this is work. It's a lot of thinking. It's a lot of time that you're putting into doing this. And you want to make sure that you don't have to redo what you already did because you didn't write it down anywhere. I guess that's the mm-hmm. biggest thing to take away from this. Yeah. You want to make sure you wrote down why you had those thoughts. And it's a good way to go back and revisit. Like the actuals aren't coming out like you were hoping in your forecast. Okay, here's what's really going on. What were what did we think when we started this process? Oh, okay, yeah, that that it was maybe incorrect thinking because we didn't consider XYZ or whatever. So it's a good way to kind of go back and like re just fine tune that process, fine tune what's going on there. Uh, so we want to make sure that those assumptions get documented as you're doing your forecasting so that you can recall those things and not have to recreate the wheel and start and or start from scratch and rebuild it because you don't remember, you know, what all the right. considerations were that you were doing at the time. So I see that happen, happen a lot where we see somebody has a budget and we talk to them about their budget and we're like, okay, so why did you think X? I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Um, so, you know, we have to kind of recreate that process to, to get mm. that back in there. So I think because this is such a numbers driven thing, like we're trying to get a, a forecasted number of revenue and we're trying to get a forecasted budget, et cetera. We get to that and we're like, okay, done, ready, good to go. So, which we are, right. but if we don't know the process and, and the whys behind it and we try to come back and revisit that, it can get, you know, a little frustrating and having to, you know, spend the time and then go back and do it again and you don't remember the whys. And then it, it makes it harder. It's like, again, fine tune it to to be better because this is a process over time that gets more and more fine tuned as you go. So because you start learning more as you go and you tweak your assumptions and you change them and they get tighter and better. So we want to make sure that we're always constantly documenting those there. Mm. So that's something that's really important. The sensitivity analysis is great. Um, This is kind of, you can think of it as like, okay, we have this target and then our sensitivity is how much can it move to the left or the right? Like, okay, if this changes, it tweaks X number of dollars. If this changes, it tweaks Y number of dollars. So it's kind of looking at, okay, we have a forecast, but then the sensitivity analysis is a little more expanded beyond that to say if we're wrong by this here's how it shifts or if we're you know wrong by that here's how it shifts you know up or down or what have you so it's good to have just an idea how volatile i guess that's probably the best term to use how volatile is that forecast is it extremely volatile like it's super sensitive or is it it's sensitive and it's going to change but it's it's not like a you know really high and low high and low type situation based on our drivers. So it's good to know that up front mm-hmm. because sometimes it can be extremely volatile depending on your drivers, depending on if you have really large contracts or, you know, really small contracts, you know, it's going to be more sensitive to a large contract adjustment if that's mostly driving your business. If it's more small right. contracts, that's not going to be as sensitive because it's, you know, you lose one, it's just a little blip. It's not a big blip. So you need to know how big are those blips potentially going to be. So that's the sensitivity that we're looking for here. Got it. All right. Okay. And then uh, lastly, uh, we're at our last little outline point here. So is feedback and adjustments. So this, as you've probably picked up by the conversation that we've had so far, is a an ongoing process. It is a feedback loop 
think I was trying to determine like feedback loop is is something that's known. I, I tend to use it a lot, but I think I figured it out because my husband's a musician and he talks about feedback loops and mm-hmm. stuff. <laughs> that terminology just kind of sticks with me, but mm-hmm. it, it truly is. You know, we're we're monitoring it, we're checking it, we're feedbacking that into our process and assumptions to get them more tight and moving forward as we go. So we're probably going to be looking at a year initially, but we're really going to be focusing on the next three months more tightly because the further out it gets, the more unrealistic, like an unknown it's going to get, right? So the tighter and closer it is, we can keep tweaking it as we go throughout the year to get it to be more tight and more accurate closely. So yeah, so we want to make sure that we're doing that, that we're monitoring those things, checking our assumptions, revising our assumptions, revising our forecast so that we can get better as we work through this process. Got it. And that notation, I think that's so important because I think we all tend to over overestimate our ability to remember things. <laughs> like, oh, I'll remember why I did that or why I made that change or why I made that update. And then you look back and you're like, I just did that last week, but I didn't make a note. And now I can't remember why I did that. <laughs> so I think that's so important because it's going to help everybody, not only yourself, but if somebody else wants to take a look at it and understand it better. Right. So, yes. Yeah, it's a great form of communication to to get the assumptions down because like you said, you have, you know, maybe you have a leadership team, a, a partner, uh, an accountant who's helping you out if you're mm-hmm. doing it yourself. You know, maybe you want to say, here's the assumption I, I made. Let me know what you think. You know, it's a good communications tool for those purposes as well so that you can share that information because they're going to see the numbers, but they're not going to understand the underlying reasons behind them. So having right. that going forward is definitely helpful to communicate with other people, or again, like we talked about, to remind yourself of what you did. So, Perfect. Well, we hope this episode focused on the elements of revenue forecasting was helpful for you to understand what you should be considering as you put one of these together. And in the next episode, we will be, like I said, focusing on that practical application of how do we actually do this. So we look forward to seeing you on the next episode, number 129. And Katina, before we wrap up, do you have anything you'd like to leave our listeners with? Well, I know there was a lot of information here. So I think I would like them to just take, you know, take what they can out of it. Take a look at our show notes, maybe just as a reminder of the things to work through. And then tune in for the next episode. Then you'll find out the how to's. <laughs> you'll be able to actually step into the process. Yes, perfect. And just as a reminder, the show notes can be found at pjscpas.com forward slash 128 for this episode. So if you missed anything or weren't able to take notes, you can hop on there and get the written notes and overview if you would like. Thank you so much for joining us. Keep that momentum going and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Cultivating Business Growth Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and review. Gain access to additional free resources and learning opportunities by visiting pjscpas.com forward slash podcast.